fried chicken, cornbread, okra, neck bones, pig's feet, chitlins. Many people familiar with American cuisine would categorize these items with good old southern cooking. But how many would recognize them as soul food staples with origins in U.S. slavery and ties with Native Americans, West and Central Africans? Today's episode of the Roast Podcast features a discussion on the origins of soul food and what remains for the modern generations of soul food consumers and chefs. I'm Jade Folletoy, and this is the Roast Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Whitworth University Master of Arts in Administrative and Nonprofit Leadership, preparing leaders, educators, and organizers for a better tomorrow. Attend classes in the evening and complete your degree in two years. Discover more at www.whitworth.edu. In response to the police killings of Elijah McClain, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, people across the U.S. took to the streets on a modern wave of a civil rights movement. Many institutions and businesses put out statements on racial justice and diversity, some more nuanced than others, and some backed up with policy changes and donations. Companies like Quaker Oats and Mars Incorporated decided to remove and change their brand's imagery after decades and generations of people pointing out the racist stereotypes represented by Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, respectively. Some argue that the removal of images like well-recognized and beloved Aunt Jemima is going too far for racial justice. Some ask, how can food and branding be oppressed to black people, especially when those foods and brands have been around for so long? But... Is there such a thing as going too far when even food has a complicated relationship with black people in the U.S.? The term soul food became commonly used in the 1960s during the civil rights and black nationalist movements. The term soul became heavily associated with blackness, soul brothers, soul sisters, soul music, soul food. There was a black empowerment movement to uplift a sense of pride in black culture and blackness during the Jim Crow era after over 300 years of documented slavery in the U.S. Many African Americans were reclaiming their ties to Africa, creating holidays for themselves like Kwanzaa, donning dashikis, and flying Pan-African colors. Today, many African Americans are still cultivating black pride. I sat down with self-published author, poet, speaker, life coach, and Whitworth University Associate Chaplain Steffi Nobles-Beans, affectionately known as Mama Beans, to discuss soul food and culture. Well, I know we're going to be talking about food, so that's one of my favorite things, and especially soul food. So uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I come from a plethora of women who love to cook. My grandmother... Uh, my mama, my aunties, uh, that was a place where we gathered for laughter, crying, venting, and what better place to do it around food. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Um, so, I guess thinking about soul food, what what exactly is soul food? I've seen a lot of different restaurants offer barbecue, uh, fried catfish. Mm-hmm. So, what, I guess, in your opinion, is soul food? I think soul food is cooking from the heart. Mm. When you think about soul food, especially me being a Southwestern girl, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Yeah, barbecue is a big thing down in Texas, but you got your collard greens, you got your cabbage, you got your hot water cornbread, you got your sweet potato pie, you got your tea cakes, uh, you have your fried chicken, but you also have that 
good old sloppy mm -hmm. uh, pot roast with potatoes and carrots. Uh, you got that turkey and that famous, as my mama say, her her best uh, foot was in her uh, dressing. So I think soul food for me is cooking from the heart. It's a place where families gather and they reminisce about family, heritage, who we are as a people. So for me, soul food is, is cooking from the heart. You know, so that is that part. But the collard greens and the cabbage, those are things that my grandmother grew in her garden. And she would tell you, these are foods that are good for you. They come from the earth. And not really thinking about um, how medically sound some of those foods would be. We just ate it because that's what Big Mama fixed and that's what Mama did. But my daughter is an integrative nutritionist and she tells you the foods that we eat would be good for our bodies, what we put in our bodies. So like greens, they're, they're, they're good, full of protein. They're full of uh, iron. Full, uh, some foods are full of magnesium. So it just depends. So we really didn't per se have a recipe that mama said, I'm going to leave you this recipe after I'm dead and gone. I learned the recipes that were ingrained in my heart. Mm -hmm. I could close my eyes and see my mama uh, doing the sweet potatoes making her sweet potato pie or her sweet potato casserole. Or I would watch my grandmother fix a great big old pot of red beans and rice with, as they say, some good old cornbread. So those, there were really no recipe per se, use this much, use this much, use this much. I just watched. My grandmother would take a pinch of this or she would take a pinch of that or she would take some blah. And I remembered so I can remember the recipes because they're in my heart. But what I did, I wrote a book called uh, Mama Beans Down Home Cooking from Family. And it's in my it's on my shelf at my home. And it's recipes that I remembered the food per se. But I had to figure out the ingredients. Like I take a cup of this. I'm like, ah. So it was trial and error. So I leave this little recipe book to my children. Each one of them have that book, Mama Beans Down Home Cooking. But it's other recipes that I've learned from other people, like some of my sisters. You know, like, girl, let me let me tell you about this. Uh, there's one that about an apple pie. Now, I don't like apple pie because I'm allergic to apples. So I never really. But that, that, that recipe for that apple pie is something else. You know, or I have a friend who was Filipina. And I could have swore. I was like, I know some black and, and Filipinos. Because that girl made something lumpier that was, it was food for the soul. So they're just different things that I've just tried over the years and I put in that little book. But uh, I think one of the, the my most favorite things that my mother would make was her meatloaf. Oh my God. And I can, I can see her cutting up the onions and the bell peppers mm. and the celery and she would crack her eggs. And, you know, if we didn't have any, you know, they would use the croutons to... My mama never used croutons because, you know, black folk didn't do croutons. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a crouton was, so I got married <laughs> years later. We used crackers. You know, we bought, she'd buy a box of crackers. She'd crunch them up and put them in that and make this great big old meatloaf. And then she'd make her homemade whipped. And I'm telling you, they were whipped cream potatoes. I mean, those potatoes were so, they were so creamy. It seemed like you just fluff them with a fork. And she'd have that. And then we'd have a side dish of her, her favorite uh brown sugar carrots mm. with a little drizzle of honey on it, mm. you know, and then she'd make her homemade biscuits. 
So those are things that I just naturally grew up with. And now my children cook them. My son, he tells you every now and then, I don't cook. I just go to mama's. <laughs> so, but so these are things that I've just learned over the years. And like I said, soul food is cooking from the heart. We put on music, you know, we talk and we laugh and then there'll be quiet times that we think about our ancestors who had gone on, the loved ones, you know, my big mama, my big mama stood six foot one mm. and they owned a barbecue place. And uh, people, and, and, and my dad's people are from Austin, Texas. And I tell you, my they call it a hole in the wall down south. And people would line up on Sunday evenings after church because you did, uh, you know, you just didn't do stuff. No, it was Saturday because Sunday church was closed. Uh, the built uh, stores were closed. They call it Blue Sunday. So it was Saturday evening. And people would line up for a good Texas, the Texas bread because the Texas bread is thick. And a slab of ribs and my grandmother and grandfather's homemade barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. And they'd have a side of uh, the potato salad. And down south, we didn't say, uh, could we have a a soda? We called it soda water. Mm -hmm. You know, one soda water. And my favorite soda water was uh, the red soda water. It was called... uh, Nifi, N-E-H-I, Nifi or something. That was the best red soda pop I'd ever had. And my dad said, can you go get me a soda water? And when people would look at soda water, well, that's what we called it, mm. you know. And then my mother would be proper. It's not a soda water, Jim. It's soda. And you're like, <laughs> I want a soda water. And so those things we would laugh and talk about. My mother made the best collard greens ever. Cabbage, she would, you know, and of course, Pork was one of the things that we ate. She would put her uh, her hammocks in there. And now, now when I make my cabbage and I make my collard greens, I use turkey mm-hmm. because I know that if you, it's a constant, if you keep eating that stuff, it's not going to be good for you. So those are things that I've learned, you know, from my, my, my family and my heritage. And fried chicken was one of the big things. I think one of the biggest things that I remember growing up, my father was a pastor. The fourth Sunday of every month, We'd have potluck Mm. and everybody would bring their favorite food and we would have it out of the trunk of our cars. You'd raise up the trunk and everybody would have a spread. So you'd have your plate and you'd go from trunk to trunk and then we'd have picnic tables in the in the back of the church. And we would sit. Kids would be running. And those were good times. Mm. Those were good times. I want to. Where is it? There's a poem that I dedicate to my... And this is your book of poetry. This is my book of poetry called Dipped in Chocolate All Over Again. It says, time's gone by. Walking down by the creek, moss between my toes, barefoot in the park, and grains of sand with thousands of memories, cousins running through the old graveyard way after dark, but time's gone by. Sam cooked croons into the ears and souls of screaming women. Darling, you send me. And my aunties and uncles with laughter rising to the orange moon of the evening. Reflections of memories for times gone by. Daddy slamming them dominoes on the card table while windy breezes of honeysuckle tickled our noses. And uncle slamming back at you with ashes falling from the tip of his cigarette. And big mama sitting with ease and grace under the weeping willow tree. My papa sitting in his comfy chair, smiling, looking at the legacy of his loins for times going by. Playing hide and seek, hoping I would be found. 
food for the soul whirling in my mind causes my tongue to lick my lips and I look into the eyes of so many I love who are now gone for times gone by. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, food for the soul. It's the heart. It's a heart matter when you cook. I can still kind of savor in my mind about my big mama and my papa's barbecue place who was, was passed on down to my uncle, Junior, hmm. who died with the recipe in his heart. He wouldn't tell nobody about it. <laughs> he was really ticked about that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's it's soul food when you cook from your heart and when you got family. And, and now with all this COVID stuff going on, it makes you really reminisce and miss your people. And you mm-hmm. want to just be around them and you want to be loud and you want to hear some music going on and clinking of glasses if it's Kool-Aid or wine or whatever for times gone by. And, and, and it seems like it's slipping away from us a little bit. But I always tell people during this stormy season, it's going to pass. Storms don't always last. Like movement and push for Black Pride today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it's never really changed. It's an ongoing thing. Black Pride is ongoing. Like they say, Black Lives Matter. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, our food has not changed. I think it just gets better for those who cook it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passing tradition on down to my granddaughters. Uh, my grandsons love to cook. My daughters love to cook. So I don't think it's 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 something that's forever changing. I think it's something forever in our hearts that I can go back at six, I'm 66 now and go back and think about my grandmother and what she cooked. And I can I'm showing my granddaughter now. My granddaughter is half black. My my son's only child. She's half black and her mother is Hispanic. So I'm looking at this girl make a big old crock pot full of taco soup. It'll turn your head upside down. I was like, girl, you go ahead. She says, that's the caliente in me. And then she'll turn around and she'll make some mashed potatoes and gravy and roast beef. So it's, it's. I think it's an ongoing thing. I don't think it's evolving. It, it's just food that we just a continuum for us. Black Twitter users have had discussions about their favorite soul food dishes. Mac and cheese, fried chicken, sweet potatoes, some debates on whether or not grits should be served with sugar, and clarifying conversations on the difference between stuffing and dressing. Then there are the discussions around dishes like chitlins or chitterlings, which are a prepared dish usually made from hog intestines, though cattle and other animal intestines have also been used. In the not-so-distant past, when slavery was legal in the U.S., slave owners would feed enslaved people as cheaply as they could. When a pig was butchered, the best cuts of meat went to the slave owner, and the leftovers, snouts, feet, intestines, were given to the enslaved people. And sometimes, enslaved people would risk severe punishment and steal leftovers from the slave owner's table. According to 13 Media, enslaved people were given rations, usually with cornmeal, lard, and other items. Some enslaved people were allowed to farm a small garden where they would grow vegetables to supplement their meager rations. According to Voice of America, slave traders would feed enslaved Africans fruits and vegetables from their homelands, and many of these Africans would plant heirloom seeds introduced in North America to foods like watermelon, okra, black-eyed peas, and yams. 
As survivors, the enslaved people would cook with what they had. Though the meals were high in starch and fat, it sustained their survival. The recipes and cooking methods were passed down generation to generation, and when enslaved people were emancipated and more African Americans migrated toward other parts of the country, their traditional recipes and methods spread with them. But where does that leave the modern generations of African Americans when cultural practices are tied with the history of oppression and slavery? There are many articles and Twitter users calling for an end to dishes like chitlins, some simply because they don't like chitlins in the first place, others because they see chitlins as slave food. To them, black people, as liberated people, no longer had to eat like slaves and consume the least desirable cuts of meat. On the other hand, some Twitter users simply like chitlins for the taste and some for the nostalgia of grandma's kitchen. Now, when in my heritage, a lot of food, like pig feet, you know, some people are like, uh-uh, pig feet, hog mogs, you know, those kinds of things were slave food. The, that's what they would call the scraps. That's what they would give to the slaves. And even today, people still love pig feet. They still love hog mogs. Hog mogs are the, the intestines of a pig. So chitlins. And the chitlin things. And it's like, ooh, we don't want to eat that. But that's some of the best food. I folk knew how to fix that stuff. So those kinds of recipes and stuff that my ancestors have, we've carried on even in my family. Uh, I don't eat pig feet anymore because I find out it is, Gives you high blood pressure <laughs> and chitlin, hmm. high blood pressure. But it, we only usually eat it like during the holidays, Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's. So that those kind of fatty foods, as my daughter said, those are killer foods. We don't need to be eating those things. But you have some of my folks, they don't care. Like, <laughs> bless your food, put some vinegar on it and move on. <laughs> What do you, so you're talking a little bit about chitlins and you uh -huh. acknowledge that some people mm -hmm. don't really want to eat that because it's uh -huh. slave food. Uh -huh. um, so what do you, I guess, do you have like friends like that? And do you have these conversations about, do we carry on our slave food? Do we carry on our traditions? Oh girl, they still down south. You go, you will find folk. You can go, you can, I can go home right now and go to the, some of the best soul food restaurants. You can bet chitlins is on the, it's on the menu. Chitlins, hog mogs, pig feet, it's on there. So I I think this is something a legacy people are going to have. And I think because a lot of people don't eat it all the time. I think you they say you can do things decent in order, you know, do things in moderation. If I go home, I might have some chitlins. I just might. And then I might not because it's not in my taste buds like it used to be. But down south, baby, they have both. You can bet your bottom line, you're going to find some, you're going to find some uh, pig feet and you're going to find some chitlin somewhere in some little hole in the wall because that is something that they, I tell people like, they took something bad, mm. you know, when you think of slavery and they made it for good. Mm. So even though it ain't good for us <laughs> health wise, <laughs> but like you told us we're going to do something, but they took something and made it beautiful. They made it beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yep. I can still go home and, and go and say, you know, what what a restaurant got chitlins on the menu. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. Some people, that's a legacy that people just will not let go because they've taken it and owned it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There are some African-Americans who wish to continue the traditions of cooking soul food, even chitlins, 
believing that doing so connects them to their ancestors and their history of resilience. Some believe doing away with food items passed down through the generations waters down the rich history of black people that is already ignored by history books. For younger African Americans, there are more questions on what good soul food is. There are those who wish to modernize soul food to make it more nutritious, citing statistical data around obesity, diabetes, heart disease rates among African Americans in order to lift the community's health. Soul food has been introduced to air fryers to combine modern nutrition knowledge with traditional cooking practices. Many African Americans have adopted more fresh greens into their diets, not just for nutritional needs, but also to reclaim African ancestral food practices. With more access to historical records, many African Americans are able to connect to traditional practices that pre-exist slavery. Additionally, as more African Americans are introduced to more cultures, there have been more fusion takes on soul food. Coconut milk has made its way into biscuits, Thai spice mixes have made their way into mashed potatoes, and kimchi and southern fried chicken have been married for creative twists to traditional staples. So, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> um, well, I heard you talk a little bit about your daughter being a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so in what ways, what other ways have you seen soul food really being like modernized to fit, you know, kind of the new knowledge that we have about nutrition? Mm-hmm. Well, with my daughter, she is, with her being an uh, integrative nutritionist, she has you eat by your blood type. Oh. She studied the blood and what types of food are nutritionist and healthy for us in our blood type. I'm O positive. So I'm not supposed to really be eating beef. I'm supposed to be eating lamb, um, goat. Mm. And I've tried those and they're delicious, but they can be expensive too. Mm. So what I try to do more, I'm, I'm more gearing toward vegetables and fruits and ligams and stuff like that. And I will, I'm more the fish person now. I love my salmon. Mm. I love my catfish. I love my cod. So I'm going more towards those things. I'm going more towards turkey, uh, staying away from chicken. Chicken is not good for my blood type because it causes arthritis. So, but I still eat it. So I don't (laughs) eat it as much, but I'm trying to gear towards that because, you know, you can, we can, I think we can be as healthy as ever, you know, and this body is going to go back to the earth that it came from but we try to you know try to minimize the things that we're not supposed to be eating i don't eat chitlins like i used to but when new year's comes around and my girlfriend fixes some chitlins and some black eyed peas i said just give me a little corner <laughs> give me a corner of chitlins and give me a whole bowl of black eyed peas mm. you know so it's those things and i think in this like you said we're modernizing our eating I think it should be it should be skimmed down to where we do eat more healthy because with people of color, we have the biggest disparity of health issues, uh, obesity, being overweight, not eat. I, I, I have skinny folk in my family and they and they eat salt like pour salt on everything, which is not good. But because we've not been taught to eat the proper way, and I think it still comes out of, of the legacy of how we were came out of slavery, that we still eat unhealthy. And I think it's time for us to really set back. Like, I don't do fried foods anymore. I ha- I made some chicken the other day, but I fixed it up on the stove, and I made some lemon pepper chicken. Just plain lemon pepper, some butter, just a little bit, skewed it in the, in the, in the, in the uh, skillet, and it was good. 
You know, so we have to, but it's a mindset. Mm. We so used to eating good. We think we eating good and it's killing <laughs> It's killing us, you know. Kind of like, how do you see soul food fusion food? I love the food channel. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing I hate about it is when they just put little bitty stuff on the plate. Mm. You know, uh-huh. like, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm a Southern girl. I want a whole plate of stuff. But I'm learning with that infusion thing, it is more creativity and art that they are creating. That's cute. I ain't for cute. When I sit down to eat, I want something that's going to draw my attention to. And some people are just infatuated with the, the infusion of foods. And when we were in Puerto Rico, we ate quite a bit of stuff. And it was like, this stuff is really good. But they, they did lots of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, in, in, this, in this culture, for you young people, that are you, not the yuppie generation. I don't know what they call y'all, the millennials or whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, you, if you guys are into that, I think it's great. But I, I ain't into that. I want to... I, I plate where I got a fork and a spoon and a knife and let's get busy with the food. <laughs> so I think it, the innovation of food these days is really, it's really great. But I think it's more for the upper class mm. that, you know, to go, you know, I am not going to pay $70 for you to give me three little pieces of something. I think that's for people that are at a place in their life where they just like, you know, well, this is, this is what we like. I did that once. I went to a restaurant and I paid like $80 for a plate of food. I couldn't wait to get home to get a peanut butter and jelly sound. Mm. I was not fulfilled with that food. It was just an experience that I wanted to try. I don't do that again. <laughs> I ain't spend no $80. I can go buy $80 worth of groceries mm-hmm. and, and throw it down a good soul food dinner and have a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I don't think, I don't think it's, uh, you know, to say that with the black pride, it's something we always going to have. Yeah. Something we always go ahead. Yeah. Um, my last question. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking about. So we have an episode. Our next episode is about spam. Um, and the mm, way I love that me some spam and eggs. Mm-hmm. Ooh, <laughs> me a fried egg on some spam. I learned that from my my Hawaiian babies. They said, "Oh, you know, Mama Spam." And I saw a a. I think it was on a on a food challenge, or it was like uh, I can't think of his name. He goes around the country just eating all kinds of crazy food. Guy Fieri. Yes, and when he talked about spam and eggs, it caught my attention. And I'm not kidding. I got up when it was over. When my spam <laughs> made me a fried egg, I was like, "This is good," you know. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's gonna be that's great information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but kind of this idea of. You know, our cultural practices have sometimes been born out of our repression. Uh-huh. Um, so for the islanders, you know, we've been colonized in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Hawaiian queen was overthrown illegally. Yeah. Um, and yet we still, like you said, we were making good food out of mm-hmm. what we were given. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I guess um, my question is, like, what would you say to those who are struggling with um, identifying with their mm-hmm. cultural ties that are born out of this oppression? Well, I tell people if you if you feel that that has oppressed, change it. You know, some people probably would say, "I'm not eating spam again because of what it represents." Let's think of our foods traditionally now. What what have we brought out of the hundreds of years? And some people have, you know, like some of my they don't touch uh, chitlins and hog mogs and pig feet because it 
reminds him of slavery. It's like, we're going to try a new tradition. You know, it's just like one of my spiritual daughters, uh, when she got married, she wanted to start her own tradition. She she didn't have a good childhood. So she didn't remember, want to remember some of the stuff that they happened. So I tell people, if that if that is an oppressing state over change it. Like we, we won't eat spam. We won't we won't eat chitlins. We won't eat hog mouth. We won't eat big feet because it reminds us of our past. For me it's okay because my past reminds me of my present and it reminds me of my future. And I think sometimes we have to reflect like I reflect on times gone by. Uh, I'm not gonna let the oppressor take something that they thought was oppressing me to make me forget about who I am. You know, I am this, I tell people, when you look at me, I am first a woman of God who happens to be a black woman, you know, and that is who I am. And so I'm not gonna let anybody take something from me because when you take that from me, you sort of erase my ancestors. You sort of tell me that, yeah, they were eating spam, they oppressed, but they were a people who were resilient. Look at your legacy. Look what they have left us. So spam may not be on our menu. <laughs> uh, like we'll put a little spam uh, icon. We remember. That's all. <laughs> We're not going to eat it anymore. So I feel like if people feel like they're going to oppress them in some way, change it. Change it. And that's what I did. I had to do a lot of changing for me to be health-wise. You know, it, it, it was it's better for me. My daughter always says, "You're not eating stuff. You ain't got no business." Not today. <laughs> not today. I'm go- I got salad. I'm you know doing some good stuff, but. Sometimes I, when I close my eyes, I say, mm, I wonder what Big Mama would be doing if she would fix a great big pot of chitlins. And so I call my girlfriend, you cooking chitlins for New Year's? Because I don't like the smell in my house. <laughs> and she doesn't either. So what she does, she's got her a big, long orange extension cord and put it out the back door and cook it out on her deck in her big pot in the corner. And put, they said to kill the smell of chitlins, potatoes. Potato absorbs the smell of chitlins, and we didn't know that. We found out that was a good thing. Yeah, chitlins uh, uh, with potatoes and onions. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you for your time oh, and you're for so your well, wisdom, sweetie. Um, and so, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just tell people: remember, soul food is just not a uh, 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 thing. Soul food is cooking from the heart, and that can be anywhere. Soul food in China, soul food in Taipei, Taiwan. Paul, it's cooking from the heart that makes food good for the soul. Thank you. You're welcome. Soul food in all of its forms has shown the beauty, resilience, and innovation of the African-American community. From ancient practices to survival means to modern transformations, soul food has sustained a community and shaped the nation's cuisine. While these recipes and practices may have been born out of necessity during a horrific period of slavery, they were also born out of ingenuity and love. The original soul food chefs cared enough about their community's survival to not just make food out of scraps, but to make desirable food. Even in the face of slavery and brutality, soul food recipes embody the love and care that will carry the community for generations to come.